Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, this podcast is about sharpening blades, sharpening knives, just knives. We're going to talk about sharpening knives. No no tool sharpening. Um, we, we watched this video. Murray Carter, 17th generation Yoshimoto bladesmith, blade sharpening fundamentals. And... Um, uh, <clears throat> His second video about blade sharpening, apparently he had a lot more to say than the first time around. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm I'm here with Fred and Jim. Today's the day after the last day of the uh, uh, appropriate technology course. So that finished yesterday, and Jim was one of the instructors, and his, his airplane doesn't leave till tomorrow. So uh, I thought, hey, let's, let's record a podcast about sharpening knives and Jim's like yeah yeah and Fred's like I'm in too and um and I think now we're all a little kind of uh the mood has shifted uh, th- this this <laughs> video is set to a different mood I I fell asleep once I saw Fred asleep once uh, Jim did you fall asleep I blinked very very long amounts of time <laughs> <laughs> okay all right all right. Hey, and before I forget, Jim, you got some kind of book that you've written. You're an author. What's your book? My book is The High Art and Subtle Science of Scrounging. I just completed the second edition, added 35,000 new words. And if you want to know where to get free or near free stuff, everything from clothing, food, transportation, housing, building materials, furniture, it's a book to read. So, so for two weeks, three meals a day, I've been hearing stories of all the different kinds of things, and it's it's just like score, score. Now, have you lived in the same area all your life? No, I was no. Born in Brooklyn, grew up on the island, escaped to northern New York, and stayed there. Uh, this is just south of the Canadian border, so my perspective has shifted quite a bit over the years. Okay, and and now you, you come out here to Montana, and it's and it's kind of like. Uh, uh, you said, you know, can we go to a railroad, you know, or, you know, like where there's a railroad around here? And uh, it's something like, oh, yeah, they what they do is whenever they replace the spikes, they just throw the old ones to the side. And they just, just go just walk up and down a little bit. So next thing you know, you come back with like a 100 spikes or something. We came back with probably 300 pounds of metal, <laughs> uh, including we, we thought we had gathered 50 railroad spikes, but when we were done and there were five of us gathering the spikes, uh, we had well over 100 spikes, which we turned into, several of them, into uh, coat hooks. Right. And I saw a trivet, too, but but that was a, in order to have a demonstration in brazing. Correct. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of brazing, really. Um, I just think it looks weird. <laughs> if you grind it off, you're just left with little gold mines. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. So, um, uh, and then, for, so, this this video, uh, I thought, and, and first of all, it was, it was recommended to me by several people. They're like, oh, this is 
this is the video. This is if you're gonna do sharpening, this is what. And then um, so I remember that we had this guy here, Brandon, and uh, he had like a little tub. It looked like of some kind of pond scum he was growing. Uh, it was green and really disgusting looking. And uh, but when he sharpened his knives, he kind of had a, a, a poetry to it. And he was he was the guy. He actually sold me this DVD, so I bought it off him. And it's been sitting here for four and a half years. And I was thinking like, okay, one of these days I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch the video, and we're going to record a podcast about it. And today is your lucky day because we're going to tell you about it. And um, I, I did think that throughout the video it was a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of stuff I did not know, and I'm really glad to have watched it. I am utterly certain I do not ever want to watch this a second time. Um, I don't know why I got... I mean, like, I felt sleepy the whole time. They need more laugh tracks, maybe? (laughs) Have I gotten addicted to laugh tracks and shitty television or something? I think a big part of it is that we just finished two months of workshops. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We're a little worn out. (laughs) That's right. Okay, okay. Give it, give it. So, so if this guy happens to be listening to this podcast, sorry, Murray. But, um, uh, so that's, it could be on us. But, uh, um, I thought that the information was good, but I was nodding off. All three of us were nodding off. He was hyper-focused on presenting information very specific to that topic area and did not break away. Uh, didn't breathe very much, apparently, because it was just continuous words of good information. And I think a few pauses, a few interruptions, a few uh, distractions would have helped the attention span of the three viewers here. And there was an intermission in the middle, which came about five minutes after we took our second intermission. Because <laughs> we're like, we got to go walk around or something. There's this, this isn't... So, um, uh, the other thing is, is I felt like Murray did us a big favor because this guy clearly loves sharpening knives. He has, he has made 16,000 knives, like, from scratch. Um, and he has sharpened over 50,000 knives. So I I have a feeling that he would gladly teach a two-week course. I bet he could even probably find details that would fill a two-month-long course on sharpening, because this guy clearly loves sharpening knives, and he has done it a lot. Now, and and one of the things I thought was especially, because I've seen some stuff about sharpening knives, where it's like, they have eight different stones, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna sharpen forever on these. And this and so Murray is like, no 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 no. Here we're we're gonna we're gonna get you an incredibly. You know what? One of my favorite things is that he's got three different kinds of ways of testing. But but when and and he doesn't exactly have a sound studio or anything like that. But when he shaves his arm, I can hear the individual hairs popping off his arm. And I'm, I was kind of thinking like, okay, that's, that's, that's sharp. That's, that's super sharp. Um, so I like, I, I would have liked to have seen more test fails. 
because he was like, oh, that's sharp. I've tested it three or four ways. Now let's go, let's do the n- newspaper test. And it's like, I, I would have liked to have seen him saying, okay, now that's not quite sharp enough because you can tell. Well, there was a little bit with the newspaper. Yeah. Well, a couple times he was like, oh, that little part of the knife isn't sharp. So let's go back a step and resharpen that that's curve right. or whatever. It did seem like it was with the newspaper that he could kind of do that. But the, well, some, once on the tomato, yeah. he was like, oh, this part's sliding. So let's... But the the number one way that he used was his fingers, and and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, and then there was the one with the light, but with the newspaper we did see a little bit of a fail as he's drawing the blade through the newspaper, and there's one part where it did not cut satisfactorily for him as he's drawing the full blade through. So that so part of that blade needed to get uh, sharper. Okay, so. Uh, do you guys agree this guy loves sharpening knives? Absolutely. This is his life and profession. And I think, I think that he is proud that he was able to condense his full presentation down to two hours and 50 minutes. And he, he revealed secrets. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that it with some sharp editing that you might be able to condense it down to two hours and five minutes but I don't think you could condense to get all the little bits and bobs that he has to say if you sh- if you shorten it down anymore you'd be missing important things I, but he does give you an idea of how long it takes to sharpen it yeah no I I, I think uh, to say that he might be able to fill a two month workshop I don't think that's probably true I think he he's the kind of guy that would have included everything in this video. Oh, you think this is it? This is everything? I don't think he would have put out a sharpening video that he thought didn't have the complete sharpening picture. Just because, like, you know, how much he cares about sharpening. And (laughs) if he's teaching all these people, you know, the not-quite-right way, he he might not feel good about himself. Uh, I think he could teach the basics of sharpening and then you'd spend the other 13 days practicing until <laughs> he said the sharp edges on the 200 knives you sharpened over that two week period were perfect right yeah he did say like oh after you do your 20th knife this is going to feel natural to you you know right Right. So now I'm I'm going to think that he's going to whip out a samurai sword and he's going to say, and now there's a whole different technique for for a samurai sword, <laughs> and and then um, he's going to whip out I don't know some kind of stabby dagger and he's like, well these stabby daggers are tough because you got a burr 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 burr. I mean I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I felt like what we got was the basics and it was clearly for beginners and it's like yeah after you're done watching this come back and i've got like two months more to tell you well i mean this is for kitchen knives you know or yeah. hunting knives or whatever you know pocket knives but not chisels or <laughs> oh yeah no i'm th- i'm thinking so, so I th- he's got two months of stuff to say just about knives i mean and you can include swords in there but he's not even going to touch axes and and other stuff 
The other thing that he didn't cover that would take another two-hour and 50-minute video at least is the metallurgy. He was describing many different kinds of metal and their working principles and hardnesses on the Rockwell scale and laminations, and I don't even want to think about Damascus and other types of steel, <laughs> that he could talk about the the atomic level of what's happening with different grades of, of high-carbon steel versus stainless steel versus every other mixture you could think of. Yeah, Fred. Okay, okay. <laughs> that, that was day two. <laughs> and so, then cutting, cutting geometry, the geometry of an edge and the shape of a knife uh, based on what it's going to cut. But there's day three for another two-hour and 50-minute lecture plus, plus practice. So, so uh, Jim, would you agree with my analysis that he, he could teach a two-month-long course on this? Just just knives. I'd, just go, one, I'd go one month unless one he was month. getting into how he forged them and put handles on them, and you're there for a year. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then this one time at band camp, <laughs> you know, yeah, so there's, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of stories to be told. All right, um... Uh, I think one of the so so he basically made the case that you need two stones, and everything he did in this video was with two stones. And he started off with some really dull knives, and uh, it seemed to me like he sharpened a knife fast, really quick, and it was just two stones. Uh, one stone is going to be for um, uh, basically reshaping the metal, and then the second stone is for nothing more than polishing. In fact, there were several times where he was in the polishing stage, and then he kind of felt like he de- he decided that the blade was not sharp enough, so he puts away the the polishing stone and he whips out you know the the rougher stone uh, right away. But um, uh, the other thing is is that when he's running the blades on these stones. Uh, you can really hear the difference. I I really liked the sound in this video. <clears throat> I felt like it really added a, a lot of texture. Uh, well, that's not <laughs> probably a good word. It added. I mean, I I could I I learned more because I could hear how it was going. You could hear the tone of the knife changing as the blade got sharper and sharper. Ooh. Maybe I do have to watch it a second time. Um, uh, it sounded smoother, less jagged, jaggedy sounded, not jaggedy edged, and it seemed to glide across like he was catching more metal each time. Uh, my next note is that he apparently there is such a thing, and today I learned there is such a thing as a master bladesmith. So maybe there's like an organization that says, yeah, you're not a master yet, but that guy, that guy, he's he's a master now because he he did the things, you know. There is a television show that's on if you watch TV called Forged in Fire, where they get four uh, knife making blacksmiths together, and they have them compete. They will give them a style of knife to make and complete, and then they run them through this horrible battery of tests to abuse them to see whether they had uh, heat-treated the metal correctly and sharpened it enough, and uh, and they all have to copy each other as far as um, you'll have to do a pirate's cutlass or uh, uh, a dagger, but you can design your own shape within their specifications, and this is a whole show in itself, but... Uh, 
what you learned was sharpening wasn't necessarily everything there was to it. That there was a lot to the other factors, whether these guys picked the right steel, and they're often constructed out of scrap metal. So it was just an interesting point. <clears throat> that you know that, that is an interest. I and I I kind of feel like we that would have been a thing too. Is I kind of felt like this guy was sharing a lot of his philosophies on on sharpening knives, but you kind of get by, based on the way he said some things, you kind of tell that there are other guys that sharpen knives, and there's like some disagreement in how to go about doing it. Um, and so we're hearing his one philosophy. Did am I the only one that was picking up? Well, on I mean, I I've just what he some of the things he said are different than what I have learned watching videos on YouTube or read about sharpening knives. Like one of the things I noticed immediately was uh, well after the weird intro that didn't have any words, and we we're like, does this show have any words? <laughs> but I noticed uh, that he's not wipe that he's wiping off the buildup on the blade every time he drag it across the stone a few times and what I've always had heard is that that build up is like where all the abrasives are and that's what you use to sharpen your knife and so that's what you know that's something that's very different from other sharpeners I don't but you know I don't know how many knives they've sharpened <laughs> well that's true that's true um uh, I I guess the the big thing is is that um, now when you've watched other people these other videos of people sharpening knives, then um, how many stones did they have? Um, maybe three or four. Okay. Yeah. But they're like I think some of the videos I've watched are a, it's a chef, you know, so it's not someone that's professionally sharpening knives. It's just like somebody that uses a sharp knife and requires a sharp knife, but. Right. So I don't. I yeah, and uh, and the other thing is, is that on other sharpening videos that I've seen, it seems like they are spending an eno- like hours sharpening a single blade, mm-hmm. whereas this guy, it kind of seems like I don't know the longest time he ever spent on any one blade was probably that one with the broken tip. Yeah. And and um, I don't know. I'm gonna guess less than five minutes and for most of the blades i mean if he wasn't like you know pointing things out to the camera i i kind of feel like he'd probably have it um you know excellent in uh under two minutes two to three i would give it okay that knife he had a prejudice against oil stones and using oil because he thought it would be so wasteful for the amount of oil you would need to keep the stone clean yeah yeah, he mentioned he mentioned uh, how water stones are so much better than oil a couple of times. I like to set up the over the sink um, with the pieces of wood that fit in and across the sink, so, so you well. can keep the stone wet easily. Uh, that's one thing I wasn't I was struggling with when I was uh, start sharpening my knives. Is is you know how do I keep this stone stationary and wet? <laughs> And not make a big mess on the counter. <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, apparently this is the station where he sharpened, I guess, fifty thousand knives, or maybe at least forty-five thousand of them. But um, uh, the simplicity of it seemed really remarkable. It, it just seemed like um, uh, you know so many of the other videos. 
they've got so many different stones, so many different things, this, that, and the other thing, and oh, I want to do it this way, and I want to make the angle just exact, and 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 I kind of feel like this guy has done so many. He's like, now nah, you just need two stones, and uh, now you don't need all that other stuff, and and stop trying to do this, and stop trying to that doesn't no 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 no. Here's here's what you need to focus on, and so I I kind of felt like uh, I like that the message was so much simpler and then he demonstrated how well it worked he had he had he did three different kinds of tests to test the sharpness mm-hmm. and and he's kind of like yeah you use whichever whichever one of these tests is your thing but it seems like this three finger test is his test the one that he likes the best which and as we all, when we first saw that we all kind of re- recoiled in horror <laughs> yeah like no look out you're gonna lose a finger dude run your finger along the bottom of the blade but gently <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah don't cut off your fingers i mean duh <laughs> and look you put your thumb on the spine for safety and it's like what that that's the part that doesn't cut you, you're you're putting your fingers you know where the blade the sharp cut your fingers off part is and and uh but after watching him do it about a hundred times i now feel like i understand it and i i might even be open to trying it a little bit but you know very 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 carefully (laughs) yeah i actually uh grabbed one of the knives that i have here and tried it and you know could quickly tell that my knife is dull (laughs) (laughs) he uses a a thousand grit stone and a six thousand grit stone and i quickly googled while i was distracted from the screen and you can pick up a two-sided king japanese stone the same as he is using for about thirty dollars so he's not even spending hundreds of dollars on sharpening equipment it was more in practice the skill yourself as opposed to letting other tools do the work and that seemed to be his message don't use all the gimmicks and scrapers that don't work really well or ruin your knives over time but develop your technique so that you can uh, shape with a thousand and polish with the six thousand grit and his apparently are, are single stones so they're probably a bit more expensive but the man has sharpened tens yeah. of thousands of knives, and I can't see that he's wearing the stones out very quickly. I, I thought a cool thing at the very end <clears throat> is he's uh, pointing out here's here's all the contraptions that you probably already own to sharpen knives, and and here's why they suck. And and so one of them is is like the thing where you can see two little white rods at an angle inside. And, um, uh, I mean, we'll talk about some of the reasons in a moment, but the number one reason is, is that those two little white rods are going to fill up with steel and you can't get the steel out. And it's like, so it's after sharpening knives three or four times, it'll become pretty much useless and it won't sharpen your stuff anymore. So it'll sharpen everything great for a few times, then it won't. Um, and that was true for anything with a, a ceramic rod. There was a bunch of different ceramic rod kind of things. Uh, another one was a diamond stone. And uh, and he was saying that the problems with the diamond stones are is that you'll only get a few sharpenings out of those, and then the diamonds are all gone. They're all wore out or rounded off. And then when, when you are sharpening, then they sharpen so well that they're going to kind of gouge the crap out of your steel. Leave grooves in the 
edge. Yeah, and so. Um, uh, what what am I leaving out? It seemed like that kind of covered. Well, so he did talk about as the stone wears out, he would dress it using a different stone, right, to kind of make it flat again. Rub the two. But he, he said he didn't. He said when he first started out sharpening, he would like be very careful to use every single part of the stone and and re, you know rearrange his hand position or the stone to be very efficient in his stone use. And then he realized like that's just not worth it. Just use this other stone and make it flat again. And actually, I bought a special stone that's designed to dress knife sharpening stones. It's like a, a, higher, a harder grit that has like this uh, relief pattern cut into it, so you can just rub it on your stone and it takes it back to straight right away. But you don't want to use that too much, or you wear your stone away. <laughs> well, yeah, and and I think again, it's like you know how many little uh, contraptions and stuff do you need? It, it did seem like he was kind of like, oh yeah, you just take two of these, rub them together, and you're you're good. You're right. You know, which I kind of, I, I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, all right, the seven-step procedure of knife sharpening. And so he repeated this over and over and over again throughout the whole thing. And uh, by the end of it, you've got it pretty well memorized. And uh, there was a, there was even one that he was doing, like, uh, <clears throat> with that cement block. That was another thing, too, is he kind of did this cool thing where he's like, you could pretty much sharpen a knife on almost anything, um, and he listed off a bunch of stuff. But he whipped out a cinder block that uh, looked like a, a pier stone or a pier cut cinder block, mm-hmm. uh, which was obviously out of his garden, and uh, it was covered with green goo. A little bit of moldy, mossy Algae moss, yep. Yeah, something, yeah, algae or moss or something. It was something sloppy green on it. And and he proceeded to uh, take a dull knife and then sharpen it on this cement block. And then uh, he polished it with a piece of cardboard. And then he was able to uh, shave the hairs off of his arm. Yeah. So, by the way, I uh, I was in Missoula one day. And uh, there was a little camper-like looking thing, knife sharpening, two bucks. And so I stopped in, I handed him my pocket knife, paid the two bucks. Um, he did nothing like this. He had a, a wheel in there. And then they handed it back to me, and I proceeded to try to shave my arm. And he said, oh, yeah, it's not going to shave your arm. Don't even try. And and um, I kind of felt like I think I I might have gotten back a blade that was less sharp than what I handed him. Insignificantly smaller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so um, uh, I I liked I because I, I always feel like that's a that's a critically important component to be able to have a, a variety of different tests. Okay, the seven step procedure of knife sharpening. One is clean it. Please do not use uh, the stuff that he is. Comet. It makes you vomit. Uh, he was using Comet. And I'm like, oh, man, surely he's got to have something better than Comet. And he's like, I like the Comet. It's not the seven cents. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the big selling point. Yeah. It's not, cheap. Not the other chemicals added to it, but it was basically an abrasive powder that he wanted you to clean it with so you could see through any patina of rust or grease that was on the surface. Yeah, and um, 
I so we stopped the movie. This was early on. We stopped it to look up well, what's in Comet, and um, it sounded like limestone, wasn't it? Lime, it was some kind of limestone. Uh, we were thinking maybe even chalk. Um, uh, was most of it, but it also contained a bunch of uh, cleaning chemical-y things, uh, including bleach. It contained some sort of powdered form of bleach. Uh, and so I'm, I was kind of thinking, like, no, that's some industrial strength gick there. Um, maybe maybe just a, a little bit of... Um, uh, we were we were kind of thinking like even uh, uh, agricultural lime, like you could go to the gardening section of the hardware store. Steel wool, I mean baking soda. Yeah, would baking soda be a, as abrasive? I don't know if it'd be as abrasive, but I know that Jocelyn uses it for, as an abrasive. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Step one was clean. Step two is straightness. And I mean, like, boy, did he have a lot of angles for looking for straightness. Um, you know, so, you, so you're going to look at it while you're pointing the, the pointy bit at your eye. And you're trying to look down it to see if there's any um, bends or warps in the blade. It's used to pry something. Right. Um, uh, it made made a lot of sense. If your blade is warped and you're putting it on a flat stone, you're not going to get yeah. sharp the whole way along the blade. And it, it kind of showed some ways to kind of uh, straighten out a blade if it does have some warps or a bend in it. Um, but he also talked about that there's a possibility that the blade has a twist in it. Oh, right, a propeller twist. Yeah. And then and then he was, like, looking at the blade with the edge, like like the edge towards the eye, to, to try and see if there might be bends and warps that way. That was step three, the assessment. And so, well, I think assess was, like... Because the because step two is straightness, mm-hmm. and step three is assess, and I think that with assess it's kind of like how sharp is it now, and um, is there anything about this blade that might need some other repair? Chips. Is the tip missing? Are there dings in the blade or all that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um, the other thing is is like what kinds of sharpening am I going to do? And we're going to get into this a little bit because there's there's um, a secondary sharpness and a primary sharpness, and I um, I thought that was fa- I've never contemplated this thing that he did, and, and I thought that was that was huge. So um, <clears throat> oh four secondary edge. Uh, so, so work on the secondary edge, and he showed some a few knives where the secondary edge and the primary edge are one and the same. Um, and so, number five is the primary edge. Uh, six is to hone. And I wrote something down at the end. I hope I'm saying this right, but um, hone is where you're going to move the blade. Ah. Stropping uh, or honing is edge trailing. Yeah. So the so you're going to drag the edge on the surface in a way so that um, it's uh, the the edge is the last part to touch. Now that doesn't make any sense. Um, the direction is moving. The knife moves towards the spine. 
Right, like moves not away. the way you would use to cut something. Yeah, the opposite of the way you use. But whenever you do that, though, then you're going to get burrs along the edge. So all stropping creates burrs along the edge. Sometimes I've heard it referred to as the, as a wire. Wire edge. A wire edge. And, and it's going to be basically invisible, but it's there. And um, and so you, you need to kind of run it on some soft wood, run like like you're, you're trying to cut a piece of soft wood, um, and that'll knock off a lot of the burrs and the the wire. And so I I just want to point out that as part of step five, it was he was running the blade back and forth. You know, he talked about you know people were like, oh, you got to go in circles or for four and five. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, four and five. Um, but he was just going back and forth, and he's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter what motion you do as long as you're taking away metal. I like a lot of that kind of thing that he did. He's like, oh, there's lots of these different schools of thought, and it's like, well, I just kind of like this one, and here's why I like this one. you know. So Because, yeah, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you got to do it in a figure eight, or you got to do it in circles, and, and he's kind of like... and he, I think he's a... Well, first, you don't got to. I mean, clearly, I'm not doing it. And and it seemed like he was kind of saying that he likes doing it in straight lines. Um, I think he was saying it, it made it easier to polish, which is, like, you know, the last step. Yeah, yeah. And so there you go. Number seven is polish. And so all the four or five, all the, until polish, it's all with the rough stone, with a thousand grit stone. It's not until polish that he goes up to the six thousand grit. Right, right. And that is not for shaping the blade at all. That's only for polishing it. All right. Uh, my next note here is about the three-finger test. And, this is, and he's kind of like, there's all these other ways that you can use to test, but those are really while you're learning the three-finger test. And um, and so what he does is he puts his thumb on the spine and he puts his uh, first three fingers, uh, forefinger, middle finger, ring finger, um, against the edge of the blade. And um, very, very lightly. And then you do the thing that you are probably thinking, don't do this. But this is what he actually did. And that he would run his fingers, like, along the blade as if he wanted to chop, like, slice off the tips of his fingers. But he would just not press very hard. And so then if the blade is dull, then his fingers will slide easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the blade is sharp, it's like he can feel the blade cutting into his fingerprints. Like it just catches just a tiny bit, and then he stops because he knows and he doesn't like, actually okay. want to cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, that part, you can kind of feel it sticking just the right amount. And so then, therefore, it is sharp. But then he'll test the whole blade this way. So he can try to figure out, are there any parts of the blade that still need some sharpening? And he did, I think he did stress, do this with your support hand, not your dominant hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I thought he did it with his dominant hand. No, because he's still holding the knife. With his dominant hand. With his dominant hand. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, I, get, I see it now. You'll be crippled on your non-dominant side if you're a little bit aggressive. <laughs> like, whoops! <laughs> I sneezed! <laughs> if, you're, if you're a little too good at sharpening, somebody and scares not you. very good at <laughs> restraining you. He did have an interesting section when he talked about sharpening serrated knives. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> basically said most serrated knives other than maybe a steak knife or a bread knife are terrible, and you should just sharpen the serrations out of it over time. Yeah. Because then it'll become a good knife. <laughs> just treat them like lots of little nicks in the blade. Yeah. <laughs> on on the serrated knife thing, and, and especially about the exceptions, I thought that the reasons for the exceptions were fascinating. So uh, first comes the steak knife. And it's kind of like, you know, so you're going to eat a steak, and then you're going to cut through the steak with your steak knife, and then your steak knife hits the porcelain plate. And that porcelain plate is going to dull your knife, like instantly. on the first cut, yeah, instantly. And so the function of the serrations is to kind of make it so that the scallops and the serrations will stay sharp while the tips go and get dull over, you know, on Mr. Plate. And I had never thought of that, and that makes great sense. So steaks should be served on wooden platters to you. And then, well, that's a, that's a, and then now we can give you, you know, what he would call a real knife. <laughs> but <clears throat> the next one was bread. When bread comes out of the oven, the crust is hard for the first hour or so. And um, uh, these straight bladed knives just can't do anything about it and they just ride along on the surface and you can't you can't cut in um uh so then he talks about like when the crust softens then a, a real knife uh will, will cut the bread in such a way that you end up with um like you can see a reflection in the bread and, <laughs> because that's what i always want for my bread i want to i want to see my reflection yeah he's gonna shine that hello <laughs> looking good <laughs> That's that's what I want to do. Um, uh, but anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting, too. Now, I'll bet that if we really you know plowed through, we could come up with a few more. Um, and I was kind of waiting for the part where he's going to be like, okay, so you got a steak knife, right? It's got serrations, right? So let's sharpen this thing. And I'm thinking, like, he's going to pull out a round file or something, you know? But but no, it's like uh, he just steps away. Maybe that's what the rest of the two-month course is about. <laughs> Serrated blades. Um <clears throat> So we did learn that he does not like serrated blades, but he tolerates them because there are places where they are better. I, I um, you know, no, I don't cut much steak. I guess. <laughs> yeah, vegan. But uh, what's the vegan equivalent to steak? But no, but I have used, uh, you I know, grew this fibrous beet. <laughs> <laughs> Beets can be kind of hard. Uh, no, cutting cutting uh, food in people's kitchens. You know, as I've traveled around and stayed with different friends. If they have only a serrated knife, it is a pain to use. Okay. It's like, yeah, they don't know anything about knife sharpness, and this is going to be a chore to make dinner. <laughs> so, um, uh, certain mangoes, maybe? Uh, fibrous? To peel them? I mean, mangoes aren't very hard, though. No. They, they cut pretty easy. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, where would you use it? Like a really hard wash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it would have to be something that you're going to eat on your plate, too. Oh. So that way the blade comes in contact with the plate. Yeah, I would just cut my food into bite-sized pieces beforehand. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Like pancake. I mean, I have a bread knife <laughs> that I use for for bread. But 
That That's pancake all. is so tough, I need to get out a serrated knife. <laughs> yeah, you might need to change your recipe. If you... <laughs> <laughs> the hell is you putting that pancake? <laughs> well, you get some dangers, like cutting dense cheeses or cutting very heavy, not... thick vegetables. And Cheeses are not vegan. He's oh, not, he's, okay, okay. He has no cheese issues. Carrots. If you try to use a dull knife to cut carrots into discs, the discs fly all over your kitchen. Right, sharp like, knife will, like snaps through instead of yeah, like shoots you're, off like chasing carrot pieces all over. <laughs> but the is floor. he gonna is he gonna have like a raw carrot on his plate? He could. No, no. I mean, it, if I had a raw carrot on my plate, I'd pick it up and bite it. <laughs> but to, to cut it before you steamed it or boiled yeah, it. Yeah, I'd use a wooden cutting board. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I don't see the value in most serrated knives. It's just because it's yeah. a cheap knife, it's cheap metal, and. It's not going to stay sharp, so they're like, well, if we put serrations on it, then people can use it for, you know, two weeks instead of uh, one time. (laughs) So I I thought his stuff about serrated stuff was pretty cool. Uh, The next thing was is that um, I... Uh, I if I've ever learned this, I have forgotten it. So um, it was new to me that the, the blade has a heel, which is next to the handle, the tip. Of course, the tip is easy. I think I always knew the tip of the knife. That one, that one I'm good with. But the heel, that was new to me. Heel and the belly of the knife between the tip and the heel. And so, um, uh, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard these terms before for knives? Before it became unfashionable or illegal, um, I was a shop teacher, and I used to have kids make hunting knives and swords and stuff in my room. So we learned these terms because I made them research it before they were busy filing and grinding. Okay. All right. So you had, Fred? I don't think I ever had a knife anatomy course. Before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't in my high school. Um, you know, like knife anatomy. <clears throat> and I, I took wood shop and metal shop many times. I'm a nerd instructor, so I'm up on vocabulary, and I know this is a, a problem of mine. <laughs> As mentioned earlier, he had the two stones. One, uh, the primary one that he used for almost everything was 1,000 grit, and the other one was 6,000 grit. Um, and then, of course, the card, the concrete and the bit of cardboard at the end. Um, <clears throat> okay. He, he did, I think he did seem to say, like, it doesn't really matter if you get those exact numbers of grit. Like, he was saying there's lots of variety and, you know, just something rougher and something finer. Yeah, yeah. He's like, a sidewalk works. Um, <laughs> river stone works. Yeah. Um, the, the inside of the lid of a toilet tank was one he focused on because it's a sharp ceramic material. I actually took video of Ernie like seven years ago sharpening a knife on uh, a ceramic cup turned upside down. Um, the, there was somebody uh, sharpening a knife uh, at the Innovators event on the uh, edge of the glass for the solar dehydrator. Okay. All right. All right. All, all these things make great sense. And and uh, so I, I really enjoyed the part where he's like, you don't have to get fancy. This is, it'll, there's so many different things out there. And then he said, like, I was out in the garden once and I needed to sharpen my something or another. And I found a two-by-four covered in mud. And I sharpened it on that. Um, I'm kind of thinking, like, 
I'm guessing probably didn't get it too sharp, but I, it's almost Mythland at that point. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like um, this guy loves sharpening knives so much that um, you know, personal challenge. Uh, at one point, he talked about uh, people using knives to cut donuts. I imagine that if you're like so incredibly interested in sharpening knives, you go out of your way to dull the knives that you have on you. Now, I once saw that Batman show where it was at the Joker, and um, it it did seem like the Joker had a lot of knives. Like he always kept sixty knives with. Him. So I was kind of thinking about this guy going places, and he has like sixty knives on him, trying to dull them all up for whatever he could think of, so he can go home and sharpen them again. <laughs> I, I was kind of wondering if, if this is uh, taking some kind of supplement to grow his arm hair back. <laughs> Start to move on to other body parts to test the shaving ability. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. The secondary edge. Um, basically, he he makes a point that he believes that American blades are too thick. And so every time you go to sharpen a knife, spend a moment making the blade thinner in the right place and in the right way. So what you'll do is, as after doing this, you will see where the blade now looks a little duller from where it's, you know, lost some metal during the sharpening process. And the spot that will look a little duller is about a third of the way up the blade from the edge towards the spine. Um, and the other thing is, is that when, when the knife is on the stone, and we kind of stopped and talked about this for a little bit, and it seemed like when he was working on this, uh, secondary edge, that the spine would be about two millimeters off of the stone. And the blade, the actual edge, <clears throat> may or may not be touching the stone. Does that sound about right? Yes. Okay. Something like that. All right. I, but uh, my only thing is, I thought he, it was a secondary angle. Is it secondary edge? Secondary angle, secondary edge. It's, it's, it's. I mean, it didn't really change the edge much, except for those, you know, like the. He's like, he pulls out this one knife, and it's, I mean, he loves all the knives. You can tell this guy is like this and this knife. Let me tell you the story of this one and this one. My, I'm surprised he didn't have names for him. My you know? neighbor brought these over. I call this blade Jessica. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but then out came the uh, sushi knife. And, yeah, and you like could, 16 inches long or something. It's like he needed a music track right then. Uh, I think it's stripper music, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's porn music. Stripper. Oh, oh, okay. You're thinking, well. you're thinking burlesque. Okay, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm getting the idea now. Sorry. I'm maybe I'm not savvy enough in this stuff, and I should go do some research after we're done recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. But but okay. So a thinner blade overall, thinner, but at with a, with some angle to it. So not just 
thinner because of course some of them he was kind of pointing out like how thick some of the blades were at the spine and they were pretty thick but those were like I'm going to cut this bone, you know. Chop the bone. I'm going to chop. Sorry, Fred, not a vegan thing. (laughs) My my mom has a a set of knives, you know, in a chop, in a, in a knife block or whatever that she got. And I, I think that's one of their selling points is that the blade is so thick, you know, it's like, look at how quality we included so much metal in these knives. And it's like, they don't cut for anything okay. like, I, I, she got a good price per pound maybe you, you can cut firewood or bones with this exactly <laughs> alright um, and I got a note here about that but oh no no almost flat against the stone okay uh, um Oh, I thought that one, so one of the things he kind of talked about, which you already talked about where you can just take the two stones and rub them together, it did seem to me like while I'm watching him work, he said that he doesn't do that thing anymore where he's like trying to use every bit of the stone, but he was. I was watching the move, and it kind of seemed like, oh, now I'm going to use some of this stone. Well, he still turned the stone around and flipped it over. and Yeah, yeah. So but maybe he, he was... You know, maybe it's relative. <laughs> right, right. He's not being as anal about it as he used to be. But um, there was one stone where I was kind of thinking, like, maybe it had, like, a little bit of a dip in it, like a little sway back in it. But um, I think I was mistaken. And then, yeah, he did go and, like, rub the stones against each other to square them all up again. And like, his, his thousand grit stone definitely had some grooves in it, but I think he has learned over the thousands of knives to compensate how he pushes across it. But I think he kept his 6,000 grit stone dressed flat for that final polishing. Um, <clears throat> my next note is about the steel and the blade. Um, and and so one of the things that I picked up uh, many years ago was that um, a crappy knife is going to be stainless steel. And a good knife is going to be the kind of steel that's going to rust. And um, and this one, I didn't. He didn't seem to say that. I think that was true at some point, but now I think there's lots of good knives that are actually stainless steel. There's lots of different grades of stainless steel knives. And um, yeah, I don't think that's true anymore. I think I think the the thing I've heard is that the carbon steel knives. You could get sharper, but uh, the stainless steel knives keep their edge longer. That's the big difference. Not that one's a crappy knife, necessarily. Okay. You can have crappy knives in either category. You can have a crappy carbon steel knife or a really good carbon steel knife. Um, The crappy carbon steel knives have a lower carbon content, so they get duller quicker and have to be sharpened more often. But I agree with there are so many different grades of stainless steel that you can't qualify that a stainless steel knife is bad. Because if you spend a lot of money on stainless steel, it's going to be an expensive knife that holds an edge and doesn't rust. I think he said something at one time like, oh, this is really soft. Met, you know, he was noticing like that particular knife. He was sharp. Yeah, this is was, a this is a lousy knife. It's was, so soft. It was soft. Like he he took away more metal than he was expecting, and you know he had to like correct that. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then he started to talk about like as if this like it's if you're going to talk about a really good blade, it would be a blade made by him, and it would be six or seven hundred dollars, and it would be like a a, a laminated blade, and it would have like 
uh, one kind of metal on the outside layers and a different kind of metal on the inside layer. Right, something more <clears throat> higher carbon steel on the inside. And I don't know if he said anything about having stainless on the outside. I but think he mentioned that, that, that he had some knives that had two thin layers of stainless on the outside and a piece of high carbon steel laminated on the inside. Um, a moment ago we were talking about uh, when we were doing uh, the secondary edge that the spine is two millimeters off of the stone. And then I was kind of watching, then he's moving on to the primary edge, and then I thought I saw it with, um, and of course, you know, depending on the thickness of the blade or the height of the blade, anyway, whatever, that I thought I saw it being four millimeters off of the stone, and then later, eight millimeters off of the stone, and then later he was um, putting a new tip on, and it was like a 45-degree angle. And uh, so uh, it was all over the place. Now, of course, he did talk for a moment about um, how some things you want a really sharp blade and a really a sharp thin blade but like if you're working with something like uh, uh bones or something like that um and you need to need a heavy chop and it's like or uh, he also mentioned like uh crabs or something or lobsters. lobster tails cutting lobster off tails. lobster tails that you would dull the blade very quickly if it was a thin sharp blade and then you would have to resharpen it to cut vegetables right and so then he was talking about how you'd have a thicker blade for that and uh the tip would have a steeper angle to it stubbier angle let's say stubbier. i think he said obtuse or something right i'm trying to well but but so a shallower angle is what you want for almost everything right a sharper angle yeah yeah um uh so but it seemed like yeah for most things you want the, the sharper angle and it seems like that's a lot of what he was what he was working for um uh, he did the newspaper test. I like that. Um, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, oh, he pointed out that this video is for the beginning sharpener. Um, and um, I would have to say I'm a beginner. I, I mean, I've sharpened a lot of stuff. But compared to this guy, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, before watching this movie, I'd have thought, I'm sharpen things, like other men sharpen things, other people. After other... watching this, I think I've accidentally sharpened a lot of knives sharp enough to shave hair, but not really understood the full geometry as he explained it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm interested to try sharpening my knives again and see, you know, sharpen one and compare it to one that I've sharpened last time and see and see like how how much better is it with his method I I I remember being a kid and like you know you'd sharpen your pocket knife and then the some of the other boys would talk about sharpening and then I remember like you know the older guys talking about you know you got to keep that sharp otherwise it's dangerous and so, you know, it seemed like there was, and there were sharpening stones around, and we would sharpen our knives, and I just never thought a whole lot about it. I mean, you know, you kind of need to put an, not, but I always put an edge on it that like was a good 20 degree edge. Now I realize that's just the primary edge, which, you know, a lot of those sharpening tools, it's about the angle that they put on it. Um, <clears throat> 
But now I kind of feel like all the stuff I did before was kind of weak. So I say, you know, like what guys do, just because I don't remember any women when I was young ever talking about sharpening a blade. But I'm sure that there are women that probably know a thousand times more than I do, probably know as much as this guy. My wife and her scissors. This is very important that she has sharp scissors and Ah. she'll tune those. But I get together about once a month with a group of people to practice primitive skills, practical skills. And one of our meetings recently was bring your sharpening gear. And there were four completely different systems. They all left the knife really sharp, and none of them addressed as much as this film did, especially with primary and secondary angles. It was all sharpening the primary angle. Yeah. Um, And so I'm betting a lot of our tools get dull more quickly because we didn't pay attention. Oil versus water, what did you see? Uh, Mostly water. Yeah. Oil seems to have gone in the past. I this guy made. I mean, this whole thing about the water is like, yeah, you use lots of water. I mean, you know, can't use lots of oil. Well, it washes off the metal particulates and any of the stone that is that has been rubbed in there, and it gives you new sharp pieces standing up. I guess. And he was at one point. He said something like, "The only reason you use the water is otherwise the blade gets too hot." And so I kind of like, hmm. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I imagine there's other benefits to having the water on there, but yeah, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about his general setup. So he had a kitchen sink, and then he had two pieces of one by four attached to each other, and one piece was three inches longer on either end than the other piece of one by four. And it was um, sized exactly so that the shorter piece would would fit into the sink so snugly that it would take a tug to pull it out. It was it was snug when it was in there. It was pushing on the it's gonna leave a mark on that sink. That's your sharpening sink. <laughs> Otherwise you could get in trouble with something. But <clears throat> Um, and they were attached with wood screws in such a way that the wood screws uh, did not protrude at the other side. That was kind of a critical thing. Um, and then he had a funky rag that he laid over the wood that was wet. Right. And he and he cautioned you, you know, this is going to ruin your cloth. Yeah, this is going to be will not be a dishcloth <laughs> anymore. If if it is something that has embroidery on it, you might want to choose a different cloth. Um, so yeah, this is this is going to be the last thing this cloth ever does. Um, but yeah, so a wet cloth on top of the board, just to help the stone stay in place. Right, you know, give it give it a little traction, and and he got a lot of water up there, you know, like he was constantly reaching down with one hand and throwing the water up on top of everything, just keeping it wet, keeping it wet, keeping it wet as he goes, and um, the cloth did a great job, I think, of getting that stone to stick, and then he would lay the stone just on the cloth, which is laying on the chunk of wood. Yeah, there was sometimes when they were showing a close-up and every drag of the knife across the stone, you could see a little water spilling over the edge of the stone. Yeah. So it's like, oh, there's actually a lot of water on that stone when I was doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. 
Assessing sharpness. Oh, I like this one. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna point the edge of the knife up. So the the knife will be horizontal, and then you're gonna point the edge of the knife up, and you're gonna have a strong light overhead. And then um, if the edge reflects back at you, um, then it is dull. If you it would does, see a line. If it does not reflect back at you, then it is sharp. And so, like, if you're sharpening it and you think that there might be spots that are that are still dull, then you could do this test and you'll see where it's... I'm thinking I'm going to put on my, my old man glasses to get that to work. But I thought that was... Um, that was an amazing test. That was smart. He also that's used the one. Tom- that's the one I've used. Yeah. He also used the tomato throughout to check whether the blade would ride on the tomato or aggressively slice into the tomato. Using just the weight of the blade. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing he did is at some point he was pointing out that um, for most of the stuff that he does, that he has one hand that he keeps wet and he keeps pulling up a little scoop of water and throwing it on the stone and the other hand to keep dry and that's because um, he's trying to keep water off of certain handles he also pointed out how there's sometimes where he's trying to teach himself to be more ambidextrous about this and that'd be only where getting water on the handle is okay but there were some knives where he's kind of showing, like, see, for this one, you don't want to get any water on that handle. That would discolor the handle. And well, these are very expensive knives sold to very picky chefs and sushi people. And if they had anybody else's body grease or stains on it, it would be probably unacceptable for them to use. Off with their heads. Yes. Yeah. I, I kind of got the impression that there was, like, he provided some kind of service where it's like, Sharpen all my knives. Here's my knives. And then he gets the knives, and a couple days later, he brings them back all sharp. Um, and, you know, because they are thinking, like, the sharpening that they do is adequate most of the time. But every once in a while, you got to send them into the knife guy who's going to... tune up. Yeah. And make them really good kind of a thing. Um, all right. Let's see... Crashing sharp. Okay, we talked about the sharpening contraptions. Are we leaving the the weird sharpening contraptions out? I think we covered all of them. I mean, he he talked about several different ones and the sharpening rod. I forget what it's called. The the steel. The, the sharpening, oh, the sharpening steel. steel. Um, he says you could use it, but it's not going to maintain a blade over time. That it's good for taking out a tiny bit of dullness, but to really get that blade back where it should be it needed to run on his stones and and he was saying use it opposite of how most people are trained to use it with the drag blade, up the blade trailing instead of in a cutting motion right mm-hmm. right yeah that's true because like a lot of people like will do circles and he was or or something like that and he's like no 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 just the stropping motion with the blade trailing um, the last note I have, which I kind of we t- talked about a little bit earlier, don't use a grinder on a knife. Now I imagine that when they're making the blade, that they will do this, but they're heating the knife up and cooling it off just the right way and stuff like that. But it sounds like if there's something wrong with, like he had a tip that he needed to replace the tip, he needed to regrind it, re, and he did not 
put it to a grinder. He he uh, used the stone the whole time because he he needed to keep it cool. And and he was saying if you took a grinder to it, it would heat it, and then it would be all wonky. Like and then as you try to sharpen it. Certain parts would sharpen easier than other parts, and and it would always be a, a sucky knife because of that. Right. And one thing he didn't say during that segment that uh, is that you know don't use a knife as a pry bar <laughs> <laughs> or a screwdriver. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's usually why a knife is missing the tip. It's <laughs> right. someone using it for something that's not a knife. <laughs> I can tighten that cabinet latch up. Pass me a knife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else to say about this? I don't think so. Those good, are all my notes. Film. Okay. I, I I'm glad that I'm glad I saw this, and I I'm ashamed of myself that I got sleepy, um, and actually nodded off. Um, I don't know what what he could do to to change that. You know, put suspenseful music in the background at just the right <laughs> time. Um, you know, introduce Ernie and Bert. You know, <laughs> hey Bert. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, I think he could make uh, shorter segments, like make it a four-part DVD, and and you just watch one segment, and then you know you go practice, and then you come back and watch the next segment, so you're not sitting there for almost three hours. And it was a little longer for us because we would like stop and like. You know what did they just say? We're ta- we're adding commentary before. <laughs> right, 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 right. Got to write that one down. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about tools, uh, homesteading, and permaculture all, all the, the time. time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com/slash/paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.